This is Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, which is part of the Replicate Podcast Network. It is a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. Here is your host, Colin Wood. Today on the podcast, we are picking up where we left off last episode, where we are we discovered a six-element pattern that happens throughout Scripture. Uh, we talked about multiple times in the Old Testament where we see them. Uh, the last element is the testing. If, if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, make sure you go back and listen to last episode. Uh, but we came to the life of Jesus and where every person prior to Jesus had reached this point and failed the test, we learned that Jesus passes the test in the wilderness with his temptation. Pastor, you promised to get us into the temptation and us uh, pull some truths out of here so that when we are tested, we will also be able to pass the test. So I can't wait to find out how Jesus did that. Yeah, great, great point. We learned that last week. And uh, as you said, this is the first time in the entire Old Testament uh, in the beginning of the New Testament where we see this paradigm uh, of someone passing the test. Now, we know how the story ends, obviously, so we, we thought about building suspense. <laughs> but everyone knows <laughs> Does Jesus. Does Jesus pass the Jesus test? Yeah. The yeah. Test. Is there a test Jesus can't pass? I don't know. I have a good question about this temptation. Though. Is there a rock Jesus can't lift? I mean, that's could, you know, could Jesus have sinned in this temptation? Ooh, you know what? That is a great question, by the way. And that is not it's for that, a different podcast. No, that's not for a different podcast. You see, that's what I love about this podcast. We had not planned to talk about that question. No. But I think we probably should talk about uh, that. Mama. Yeah, we honestly, we had not planned to do that. But you know what? That is such a good question. I think that's one people are listening and asking about. I want to know. Okay, so here's the question uh, we need to know, uh, or the question we need to ask is, before we even get into the temptations, because I think this frames it. Yeah. And this was the question we wrestle with in seminary. Could Jesus fail in the guard or in the wilderness when he was tempted by Satan? Was okay. it possible for him to sin? Yes, we yeah, fail or sin. Yeah, was yeah. it possible for Jesus to sin? That's a better way to say it. Was it possible for Jesus to sin? Now, let me give you the two, the few options. Okay, and then I'll let you think if you're listening. Do uh, I have to pick? Yes, you're going to have to pick oh, in a moment. Boy. You're going to have to pick in a moment. Okay, um, okay. So the first option is no. He, he no. He he couldn't fail because he was God. Because he was God. I mean, God. I mean, he's God. God can't sin. Uh, and so there's no way he could fail. And so basically he's in the garden and there's no way he could fail. Now let's play that idea out. Okay, let me just walk that idea out. Okay. If he's God, which he is, mm-hmm. and he there was no way he could have failed in the garden, mm-hmm. then is the entire temptation account a theatrical play that Jesus is just going through the motions you know, it's like he has yeah. super armor on, and uh, you know, when Satan hits him with an arrow, he's like, "Really? Come on, man!" I mean, you know, which you and I both case, know that's not going to hurt. Which, in that case, it wouldn't really be a temptation. Yes. So then you play that out. Yeah. So then, was the temptations in the garden real? Were they real? Okay. So in that case, they wouldn't be real. Yeah. They would just be uh, set up and planned, and uh, in a way that Jesus just goes through the motions. Okay. I don't really think. Uh, okay, you, I'll continue. Oh, See, I'm messing up. Okay, I'm messing you're up. Giving I'm messing me a hint. I'm like messing this. up. I'm messing like up this. already. Let me mess up. Let me back up. I don't know. I'm gonna let you figure it out. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. What's okay. the other side? You said okay. there were two. So the other side is Jesus was in the the wilderness. He's being attacked by Satan, and there is a yes, he's God, but there is a possibility, or or there is an option 
mm-hmm. that Jesus, as in his humanity, uh, being a man like us in every way, but did not sin. Okay, does say could not sin. Okay, he did just not sin. did yeah. not sin. Okay, uh, Jesus in his humanity could have sinned. Mm-hmm. And then you play that out, okay? So if that's the case, if you're in that camp, then you play that out, and then you say, okay, if he could have sinned in the garden, then there's a chance, wilderness. or the wilderness. Sorry, yeah. There's a. Ch- I keep thinking of Adam and Eve because it's a direct connection. <laughs> the Adam second and Eve. Adam, yeah. Second Adam, yeah. If he could have sinned in the wilderness, then there is a possibility that if he sinned here, the wheels of the entire crucifixion and cross and resurrection mm-hmm. and gospel come off. God's whole plan. Is God's ruined. whole plan's ruined. Okay, so that's the second option. The question is, what option are you going to go with? I'm going to go with yes, yes, that, <laughs> and that is a good option because there's a third option. Ooh, Ooh see, there's always the third option, right? Because either of those just don't sit well with me as well, I was studying because this. Jesus is all God and all man. My mind has a hard time reconciling those two things. Yeah, and if well, and you're in good company because in the first, second, third centuries, as these councils were coming around, men lost their positions, they lost their ministries, and some lost their lives over this very discussion. So we mm. need to be, we need to be uh, be careful. We need to be careful, yeah, because men like uh, Nestorius, mm. um, men like Apollinarianism or Apollinarius. Uh, these guys were trying to wrestle. This is where the Apostles' Creed came out of, obviously, mm-hmm. when they said he is um, one God uh, of the same essence mm-hmm. of the Father, the same essence. So that's the the, the line they added there. So he, he's one God. I mean, um, he, he's of the Father of the same essence. Okay. So here, here's the option I think um, because the first two the first two never sat well. The first one is it's a theatrical play, and Jesus can't say to us. Uh, you got to remember, when Jesus says, come follow me to the disciples, and this is kind of a backing up here to the beginning of the call, but when Jesus says, come follow me, here's what he's saying. This is the call. It's actually come walk after me, mm-hmm. halak, walk, okay, mm-hmm. to, to follow my ways. Come walk after me. What he's saying is, come live like I live, love like I love, teach like I teach, do like I do. Mm. That's what he's saying. In fact, he even say he even said, "You'll do greater things than me when I'm gone." Now, people misinterpret that. Some of our uh, charismatic or just ultra charismatic friends will say, "Well, you see, you're going to do bigger things than Jesus. Look at you; you'll do greater miracles than Jesus." Well, not so fast. <laughs> There's nobody can do anything greater than God. He's not talking about significance. He's talking about scope. Okay? Mm. When he says you could do greater things than me, he's not talking about the, 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 the significance of what you can do. You can't do anything greater than God. But the scope of your ministry will be greater. Why? Because Jesus was one man. Mm. Now we have 12, and then we'll have 120, and then mm. we'll have 3,000, and then we'll have 10,000, mm. and now we have you know what we have today. So that's what he was talking about. So the first thing never did sit well with me. Because how in the world could Jesus say, come follow me, do like I do, resist like I resist, stand against the devil, and he will flee? And we would say to him, but you're God. Yeah, you didn't even get tempted. You didn't even get tempted. Yeah. That was just a play. Come on, Jesus. Not a real encounter. Mm. But the other side is heretical in a sense. uh, Because in a sense, if Jesus could have fallen in the garden, then that puts the plan of God hinging upon the humanity of Jesus Mm. or the attacks of Satan. Yeah as clever and crafty as he can be, and there puts in there a possibility 
that Jesus could have fallen. And and therefore is not God. Right, because God doesn't work in possibilities. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. God doesn't work in probabilities. God works in providence. Mm-hmm. God works in sovereignty, which means, and, and, and this kind of messes people up, Colin, but I, I like to do this with people. I do this with my D group, like like session two. Or, oh, I think you do it with me regularly. I think I do it with you regularly. Yeah. What I like to do... <laughs> I take our Bible, and I go to the very back of the Bible to the last page of Revelation. Okay, so let's okay. do this now, and I'm going to right, show you what right I do. Right before the maps. Right before the maps, yeah. So if you have maps, go right before the maps okay. to Revelation 22. Okay. I've Revelation index, tw- 22. So I'm going before the index. Okay. And what I say is, in Revelation 22, 21, okay. this is the first line that God penned of the Bible. I know this going to I knew this was going to mess Colin up because that's why I did it. Okay, so here's what <laughs> this is what I do with my D group, and they have pretty much the same reaction as okay. you. I say this is what you have to realize: God wrote first the last line of the Bible, which is basically Jesus comes, makes everything right in Revelation 21 and 22. He wipes every tear from our eyes. He brings down the new Jerusalem and the new heaven and the new earth, and everything is perfect. Okay, mm-hmm. So he starts, watch this, with the end in mind, starts with the end, and writes the Bible for our Western American minds, Greek minds. He writes the Bible backwards. I got you. Providentially, yeah. sovereignly. And I'm, I'm getting somewhere, so follow me. He writes the Bible backward and then gets all the way to the final words he pens, which is the first words for us in our chronological mind, but the final words, which are in the beginning. Ooh. Now watch this. Why is that important? I mean, we're going to leave us with this and we're going to take a break. Why is that important? Because it shows us that there are no accidents in the economy of God. That everything God does is purposeful and planned. That there's no, there, it never occurs. A, a, a line I heard, heard one time: Does it occur to you that nothing ever occurs to God? Mm. And so, why is that encouraging to us? We'll come back from the break, and I'll show you why that's important yeah, well, for us as Christians today. Are you struggling with the fatigue of ministry post-COVID? Have you experienced some fruit but hit a plateau in your life or even your church? Could you benefit from a group of like-minded leaders who can help you achieve your God-given potential? Being a church leader is more challenging today than it has ever been, and the pandemic hasn't made it any easier to lead. We now have a whole new set of problems to deal with as church leaders that will require new solutions. With this in mind, we developed the Replicate Collective. This is a close-knit group of church leaders who want to help you and your church unleash your God-given potential. Members of the collective will interact with premier church leaders, men like Will Mancini, David Platt, Pete Scazzaro, and many others. Members of the collective create catalytic clarity for their church and personal lives. They participate in weekly huddles with like-minded church leaders, and you'll get personal coaching from me and the Replicate team. If you're interested in applying to join the collective or simply want to find out more, head over to replicatecollective.com replicatecollective.com. We have limited spots, so you want to check it out today. And we're back. We're talking about how Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, and we're discussing whether Jesus could not have failed this tem- this test, and therefore it was all an act, a play. Mm-hmm. Or could he have failed the test? Could he have sinned and therefore 
denied his deity, proven that he wasn't God. And you have suggested that there may be a third option, but you were just telling talking about how God wrote the Bible backwards. <laughs> it really messed some people started up. Started really. at yeah. the end and then ended at the beginning uh, to show that there's no accidents with God. Yeah. Just for just so we know, he didn't actually write the Bible backwards, so don't email <laughs> us. But just in our Western minds, it helps us to understand he started with the end in mind. Well, and time is not linear with God. So he's not experiencing it one second at a time like we Yeah, are. he's not bound by time. Yeah. And again, if I if another discipleship group time we do with my group is I take a piece of paper. Uh-huh. This is this one will really mess people up. <laughs> I take a piece of eight and a half by eleven. It's probably hard to translate over the air, but I take an eight and a half piece by eleven paper and I draw a line across the middle of it. And then on the left side, I put uh, eternity past, creation of the world. Mm-hmm. On the right side, I put Revelation 21, end of time. In the middle, I put a cross on the line, the, the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. And then to the right of the cross somewhere, I put this is the day you were born, and this is the day you came to faith in Christ. Okay. And what I do is I turn the paper around, if you're following me, and you see this line, horizontal line. A timeline. A timeline, yeah, a timeline. And I say the way we as humans look at the world and, and, and the way we live, we are bound by time. Now, for those who want to go into the rabbit hole, like you know me at one time, I was always all into this, and I got so confused by this that I, I had such a good plan one time with my D group because I showed them this thing, and they're like, we're in. We're going to learn this thing. Let's do it. <laughs> so we started reading a book by a guy named Hugh Ross. Okay. okay? This is not for the faint of heart. Hugh Ross is like a Christian rocket scientist. He's like a physicist. And Hugh Ross has done a lot of work on time and the cosmos. Okay. Okay. I don't know how he comes up with this stuff, and he's way smarter than me, so I'm I'm just going to defer to him. But he says that God is in something like the 12th dimension. Oh, my word. Okay, again, it's going down the deep rabbit hole. And man is in the fourth dimension. Okay, here's how he gets there. One dimension is just flat. Two dimensions has width. Three dimensions has height and and breadth and space. But the fourth dimension, which we are in, he says, is time. Okay, now watch this. What he means is, in order for us to get to tomorrow, we have to get past today. Mm. Okay, so we have to have next before we have present, and Mm -hmm. we have to have present before, you know, we have to have past before present. Okay, so that makes sense. Okay, now here's what he says. So when I take the diagram of of the paper, back to the paper, I show the group that we are bound by chronology or chronos time. Mm-hmm. It, one thing has to happen after the other. Yeah. But then I bend the paper at the ends, and I put the paper together, and I say, this is how God works. God sees everything, mm-hmm. the creation of the world, the crucifixion, eternity future, the end of the world, the, the restoration of, of the earth, and the day we got saved, and the day we were born at the same time. At the same time. I I don't even know if I can think about that. My brain hurts. It hurts me even talking about it. I mean, <laughs> but 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 here's the point of that. And, and let's get back to Jesus. So he's God. Mm-hmm. He's all God. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, and this is what was so hard for these early church fathers. So they were trying to say Nestorius, he was a third thing. Mm-hmm. He wasn't all man and all God. He was a, a blob, like literally. 50 50 or something? No, that was, I think, Apollinarian. So he was like bipolar. I think okay. Apollinarianism was he was half man, half God. And you never knew where he was on the God chart. <laughs> 
chart or the man chart. Like that's him speaking as a man, and that it's really wacky. Okay? But that is a little easier for my brain to comprehend than one hundred percent God, one hundred percent man. That's two hundred percent. So that yes. does it. Okay, I'm going to give you the illustration <laughs> okay, that's going to help. Well, that was a great segue too, by the way. Okay, because it really hurts my brain too. <laughs> and again, let me just say this before we before I give you this illustration: if we could understand everything there is to know about God and Jesus, then one, he wouldn't be a God we'd want to worship. Mm. And two, he wouldn't be God. Mm. The fact that he's God means he is separate and apart from us. I I tell my boys when I'm trying to explain something, they say, we don't understand that about God. And I say, son, if you were to try to explain the SpaceX program to an ant, could you do it? And you know, one one of my sons, I don't even know what SpaceX is. <laughs> well, that's, that's part of my point. You know, I don't even know what the SpaceX you know program is. But imagine trying to explain it to an ant or a dog. Yeah, the 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 chasm between man and God is exponentially, infinitely greater. Okay, mm-hmm. so the fact that we can even scratch the surface and taste and see that the Lord is good and even understand some of these concepts is a grace gift. Okay, so so we should embrace the mystery, the unknown. Boy, that's so but, good. But rest on the certainty that, okay, if God's word teaches that he's all man, all God. Hey, that's a great word, I'm just thinking, because mystery is a word in our culture that we've lost. See, what we've embraced is the word mastery. Hmm. And I'm just telling you, if you take that concept of mastery to the Bible, you never, ma- well, one of the lines I always use with our church is, you never graduate from the Bible. Hmm. Like you don't get a degree in the Bible. In fact, the Bible, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know and you want to learn more, mm-hmm. and it just layers upon itself. Here's a I mean, we say this a lot in our replicate network and with our discipleship groups, but the big mixed conception about studying the Bible, even talking even about this, because I'm gonna give you an answer and you're gonna say, Wow, that's an interesting answer. Uh, but the point is not just for us to learn information. Mm-hmm. And you got to keep reminding yourself this. We're not learning information so that when somebody says, tell me about the temptations. You can Did rattle you know? off. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. rattle off. Well, it was this, this, this. It was connected to Genesis here or that. That's all fine and good. But if you don't distill that in your life to where you say, this is what the temptations mean to me, that I can connect to a, to a God who is also all man, Jesus, and watch how he battled some of these temptations and then incorporate those practices in my life today so I can battle Satan and have victory, Mm -hmm. then the whole thing was for an intellectual exercise. Now watch this. The goal of reading the Bible, and if you get nothing else today, this is the thing I want you to get. The goal of reading the Bible is not for information. The Jewish culture read and studied the scriptures for intimacy. And that's a big difference. Hey, that'll change how fast you read. That'll change how quick you navigate through. That'll change how how, uh, fast you check boxes as you read the Bible reading plan. And you realize it's not just see if I can get through a plan every year. Mm -hmm. It's to see if I can spend time with a person, Mm -hmm. namely God. Okay? Mm -hmm. So... Just a backstory. That's the point of this. It's not just so you can say, "Man, I can prove to my friends that Jesus was all God and all mine, and I'm smarter than Nestorian." You know, no, <laughs> that's not the point. Okay, here's the illustration that was taught to me that helps us understand: Could Jesus have failed the test or not? Yes, it, it helps create tension. Remember, the Jewish culture is all about tension. Mm-hmm. They're okay with the tension. Mm-hmm. They're okay with paradoxes. 
apparent contradictions in the text that seem uh, inversely, uh, you know, disconnected, but they actually amalgamate together. They're okay with that, okay? But this is a perfect example. So here's the image. Again, I wish we had it. We probably need a video show. <laughs> After today, we might need video. For video podcast. Video podcast, yeah, this show, of course. Uh, no. Okay, so you're going to have to imagine what I'm doing here because I'm holding okay. it up for these guys to see. So I want you to imagine a metal rod okay. in my hand, okay? A metal rod that goes through my hand. And the metal rod, and this is how Jesus is going to be all God, all man simultaneously, okay? So the metal rod would be the divinity of Christ, okay? The divinity of God. Now, we know from, from birth, he was divine. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we know Jesus is all God, mm -hmm. okay? This is the Lamb of God, okay, mm -hmm. who came before us. John says, I came after him, He came, but he came before me, okay? Mm -hmm. So he's all God. So the metal rod in my hand is the divinity of Jesus. Now, what, what you do is, let's say you take a piece of paper, uh, an eight and a half by 11 again, and you wrap that piece of paper around the metal rod in my hand, just kind of a, in a circle, okay? And the, the piece of paper would be the humanity of Christ. Okay. Okay, the humanity of Christ. Then if I go and take both hands and grip that rod, okay, mm -hmm. right out in front of me, like I'm holding it in front of me, mm -hmm. the paper is touching my fingers, the rod is beneath, and I squeeze and try to bend, like a power team, okay? Mm -hmm. Like I'm gonna try to bend this brass metal rod, and if I try to bend that rod and it doesn't budge, you might actually be able to bend it. Yep, yeah, I'm I was saying, thinking now, maybe. Saying. I don't know, probably not now. But I, I, yeah, yeah. But let's say I start bending it a little bit, but it but it resists me. The okay. metal rod resists, yeah. okay? Yeah. The metal rod's not gonna move. Mm -hmm. But the paper, follow this, the, the very paper that surrounds the rod is going to feel the full brute force mm. of the power mm. of my hands, okay? Mm -hmm. It won't, the paper's not gonna rip, it's not going to tear because the rod's going to keep it in place. Now, here's the illustration. The, the fingers, my hands, are the temptations of Satan upon the life of Jesus, okay? He is ripping and stretching and tempting to the core. Mm. The flesh of Jesus, the humanity of Jesus, feels those temptations to the nth degree. I mean, he feels them. I believe Jesus is tempted like us, as the Bible says, in every way, even greater, and I'll show you why. But because of his divinity, which is the rod beneath, the paper doesn't tear, doesn't rip, doesn't budge, mm. because it will hold in place. His divinity keeps him from sinning. Now, what is the difference? Jesus' temptations, I believe, were on a whole nother level than ours ever were or could be, mm -hmm. okay? Here's why. When you and I are tempted, I'd love to say that every time I'm tempted, I don't give in, but that's not the case. That's not the case for you, no, right? Definitely. Okay? The thing about a temptation, think about it. When you're tempted to do something, to look at something, to buy something, to say something, to criticize in some way, when you're tempted, the only way or the way you and I get the pressure off or remove the pain or remove the temptation is, it's a simple way. You give in. Hmm. I heard one guy say, I, I never struggle with temptation. I just give in. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to deal with it, but that's not, that's not the way we should deal with it. We give in. So as soon as you give in to that donut during December when the doctor says you're pre-diabetic, which just happened to me. Mm, same. Yeah. The doctor says no more glucose, which, so I'm cruising by Krispy Kreme or Shipley's and I'm thinking, golly, I'd love to have a donut right now. Mm -hmm. 
I just drive in and get one. And then, and then the temptation leaves. Think about Jesus. Jesus felt the full force of the temptation. And yet, and it came and, and crushed him to the core of his humanity. Hmm. And yet he never gave in because of his divinity. I think that's probably the best illustration I've heard to help us rationalize the humanity of Jesus and the divinity of Jesus together. So were the temptations real? Yes, I believe they were. Mm-hmm. Could Jesus have sinned? No, I don't think he could have. That's so good. Pastor, I've heard you speak in the past, and I'd, I'd love to hear you on our next uh, time together talk more about how the pattern of Jesus's temptation gives us a plan for how we can resist temptation because Jesus was tempted as we are and yet without sin. So next time on the podcast, we will get into the details of how Jesus was tempted, how he resisted that temptation, and how we can then resist temptation as well. Hey, if this podcast is been has been a blessing to you or is helpful, uh, do us a favor. Like it on whatever platform you listen. Share it with someone who you think would benefit from you. We love meeting new folks and having building our Replicate community. And so do us a favor. Let's grow this so that we can grow one another as we grow in our likeness of Jesus. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast. You can receive more free resources to help you make disciples in your home, group, or church by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting our website at replicate.org.